0: The Detroit Tigers take three of four from the Minnesota Twins this weekend. Well, I guess this weekend they take two of three, but we already recapped game one in which we won. So in the series, Tigers take three of four from Minnesota, the division leaders. Let's talk about it all today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked on Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Monday, June 19th, 2023. Thank you so much for making Locked on Tigers your first listen. Every single day, we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team, every day. I'm recording this on Father's Day. Hope everyone had a great Father's Day weekend. Also, you're listening to this on June 19th, Juneteenth. As we uh, as we acknowledge the end of slavery in this country, so yeah, some holidays this weekend, and yeah, great weather all around, good vibes, and the Tigers took three of four from the Minnesota Twins. Can't get much better than all of that in one weekend. Um, I am, of course, if you're watching on YouTube, you're like, wow, this is not usually what I see. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm, I'm down south visiting some some family uh, for the week, so you'll get me in a different a uh, different studio, if you will, uh, but the show don't stop baby we will be here every day still um yeah i mean a a really really fun weekend of baseball uh, saturday sucked like i almost don't even feel right clumping in what happened on friday and sunday with what happened on saturday saturday was a joke and, and like it's it's weird cuz like like good vibes this is going to be a good vibes show we we got a bunch of You know, we took three or four from the division leaders We're we're crawling our way back uh, up from, you know, where we put ourselves at at the end of the the nine game losing streak there. But since the nine game losing streak, since they, they finally won a game, right, their record is like pretty solid. And that's not a huge sample size. You're talking what? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. You're talking seven games there. But over 500 ball in those seven games. And that was just my point. I think I said it either. It was either the the episode when we hit our ninth straight loss, or it was the first win to break the streak. And, and I made a comment where I was like, look, I, I'm not asking for this team to be like, great. I, I know that this team isn't great, but if you can just get back to even remotely close so the the level of uh, May you were well over 500 in the month of May. Maybe that's too tall of an ask too, but just my, my point was if you can prove that that nine game stretch is that that's all it is, right a bad nine game stretch and the rest of the season you're playing pretty competitive ball, you go on some hot streaks, you're you're whatever. Like if I mean you can go 500 the rest of the way, still finish whatever we are 9 10 games under 500. And people will look at it and go, yeah, you know, that, that probably exceeded expectations a little bit. And if it wasn't for a really bad week and a half stretch in the start of June, we could have been looking at a, at, at even closer to 500. You know what I mean? So that, that's really what I'm asking for is I, I'm just, I want proof more so than wins, loss, more, more so than a, than a specific record or win percentage. I'm just looking for them to prove that that nine game skid was, was just an outlier, that that was the outlier and that what's been happening lately is not. Now, where does the truth lie? Our favorite saying here, probably somewhere in the middle, right? Uh, th- this offense has been on absolute fire, again, outside of Saturday. Uh, but but ever since they they broke the losing streak, th- that the offense has really, really been stepping up in a big way. Uh, the first game of the twin series, they score eight. We already talked about that one on Friday's episode. On Friday, they score seven. Saturday, they get shut out. And then on Sunday, they put up six again. Um, just, uh, and even the, the two games they lost to Atlanta, right. They, they dropped, uh, two games in one day on Wednesday, even in those games, they score seven runs and five runs. Like the, the offense hasn't been the problem. It's been the lack of starting pitching depth that has really caught up to them. And then a couple of games, it's been the bullpen as well. Um, but this weekend, the, the pitching, we'll get to it in a second. I guess that, that would be the more natural transition, given what I'm talking about. But we're going to go in order of our itinerary here. Um, the, the 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 innings that they got from pretty much entirely the bullpen outside of Joey Wentz uh, it was beyond impressive. I thought they game-planned really well. I think Fetter and, and Nieves and Lund and Hinch deserve a ton of credit for the way that they were able – to really keep the Twins off the board this entire series uh, but without having really a starting pitcher, again, outside of Joey Wentz on Saturday. So uh, we'll we'll get into all that. I do want to talk a little bit about uh, just medical updates really quickly. The Tigers, ever since Scott Harris took over, have been really, really transparent with uh, injury situations, and they sent out a medical update. Their PR team sends out a medical update once a week at least. Um, So that's been a really nice change of pace. I'm also going to throw in there. I should have added this on the itinerary, but I'm going to add into medical updates. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, some trades, trades, quote unquote, for like, we acquired a minor leaguer for cash type of trades um, and then a waiver claim as well. But we'll start with Matt Vierling had back spasms. That was a a part of why he found himself on the IL as is. Uh, He just came off the IL. He had two homers. In one game over the weekend. He's been doing really, really well. Why anyone throws him breaking balls low and inside, really just non-fastballs in the strike zone low and inside is beyond me. Like all it feels like all of it outside of the Astros one that he hits a dead center, the right the the incredible game, like the second week of the season. Outside of that homer, because that was a low fastball, I think. It, I feel like almost all of his homers this year are on. Non-fastballs either breaking or off-speed, low and inside, and I, I don't know why people even remotely f- go to that area against him with those pitches. Fastballs, some people have some success, but he's been swinging a hot stick ever since coming back from the IL, and then he was scratched from the lineup on Sunday, so we we'll have to keep an eye on that. He's not on the IL currently. At the time of this recording on Sunday night, um, Trey winginter That's the really the only other medical thing. His rehab assignment was advanced to triple a so that means that trey Wingenter, who has not pitched in like two months like quietly is about a very long time uh will be back it seems like relatively soon assuming that they have a spot for him in this bullpen these days and then the other two roster moves that were made uh the tigers claim left-handed pitcher anthony missy missy miss wicks that's what we're going to go with. Misawix. Uh, there's no way that's right, but that, that's what we're going to go with for now. Uh, Arizona had put, had DFA'd him and the Tigers claim him and then send him to AAA. Uh, Seth Elledge was DFA'd to make room for him on the 40 man. And then the other one was Blair Calvo was acquired via a trade with the Colorado Rockies. He's a right-handed pitcher. Uh, and that was just for cash considerations. He was also optioned to AAA Toledo and to make room for him. Uh, the Tigers designated Braden Bristow for assignment. He was the 27th man coming out of the bullpen last week uh, in the Brave series. So um, that those are all your roster moves. Just want to get those. I don't have too much on Anthony. I, I can't even say his last name, so I definitely don't know what he what he features. Uh, Calvo at, at has actually pretty good stuff and really good strikeout numbers in uh, in the minor leagues currently. Um, his ERA is pretty high, but he has really good strikeout numbers. That seems to be kind of the The Scott Harris, um, when it comes to like those low, like buy low players that uh, out of the bullpen, pitchers especially, he seems to not be afraid to go to them. Uh, And I think that's not only faith in just, you know, if you have swing and miss stuff, you have swing and miss stuff. But I also think that's a lot of faith in the Tigers pitching coaching staff that we talk about and rave about all the time. So we'll see if uh, either of those guys get to. The majors at some point um okay let's get into the games that we will kind of break down a little bit more i know we talked about you know taking three or four and everything and how how awesome it was but let's break down a little bit more there was some offensive players we got to talk about uh good side and bad side then there's pitching performances we got to go over uh, and then we're going to preview kansas city all right but first i got to tell you all about our friends over at ebay motors eBay Motors is the best in the business uh, because for a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. And it's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to the My Garage and look for the green check to know if a part will fit All right, everybody, welcome back here. Segment two of Locked on Tigers. Thank you for making us your first listen every single day. I appreciate you all for tuning in, especially the everydayers that do tune in every day. We'll be back tomorrow recapping game one against the Kansas City Royals. Uh, we don't use the the W word here uh, in terms of predicting series, but uh, the Royals are have been absolutely dreadful since the last time we played them and took two of three from them. So no excuse to not do at least the same. Um, let's talk a little bit about the – let's start with the offense, right? Let, let's start with the offense. And, and we we already talked about how as a team, they've really shown out and, and, and been putting up a lot more. Again, I was, Saturday just pisses me off because it barely makes sense. That was Minnesota's bullpen day. And, and, and the Tigers destroyed two of the best starting pitchers in the American League in the first two games of the series. And then Saturday happens, they get a bullpen day and they, they get shut out. Unbelievably frustrating, but took three or four. You hit Joe Ryan, you had a great game plan against him. Uh, and then on Sunday, you you put up six as well. I think I would just want to kind of go straight into individual performances here and talk about like, who's been good and, and who is still been struggling here at this point Uh, just because, I think everyone is, like, we can talk about approach, I guess, if you want, like team approach and whatever. But it's pretty uh, outside of the outlier currently, that is Saturday. Uh, they've been putting up a lot of runs lately, and, and that's a beautiful sign. Uh, one of the big reasons is their batting average with runners in scoring position lately has not been absolutely unbelievably vomit-inducing. And that's really, really a step in the right direction. It's still not fantastic, um, but I think they went 3-for-10 on Sunday. Obviously, they go 0 for on on Saturday, uh, but then they went 3 for 7, I want to say, on Friday. So you're talking about some pretty solid averages there um, all around, some, some clutch and timely hitting. But the biggest thing, and then we'll get into individual performances, the biggest thing and the biggest reason why this offense has been exceeding expectations lately is a power surge. They have been hitting home runs like crazy to 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 a, a rate that we have not seen not only this season but even dating back to last season we never saw it we I, I'm and again it's like a week I'm not trying to say that this is like the new tigers and this is going to last throughout the rest of the season or whatnot but I I couldn't even tell you the last time that the tigers had a week stretch where they were hitting home runs as frequently as they seem to be right now I mean just over the weekend we already talked about um, Matt Vierling hitting two home runs in a game. Uh, I mean, Javi Baez homers, Spencer Torkelson homers, Kerry Carpenter homers. Uh, I, I mean, just uh, I, I think I'm forgetting someone else too. Just really all around. Uh, they they have really been, and that's even, again, dating back to, again, the Atlanta series in which they dropped two games in that doubleheader. Still were hitting a lot of homers, still had a lot of pop. So uh, that is great news fantastic news and there's a lot of players season numbers that are that are slowly crawling up and and slowly slowly heading in the right direction there which is obviously great to see so when talking about some individuals I, I think we kind of have to start with Spencer Torgelson, who uh, again ever since the losing streak ended has just been on an absolute tear Uh, And his numbers in the month of June continue to get better and better and better. Uh, His numbers in last week are unbelievable. He's got an OPS over a thousand and his OPS on the season is now 710. Everybody 710 OPS for Spencer Torkelson. He finally has an OPS over 700. And now the next step, we're slowly creeping on a league average hitter here, folks slowly, but surely. And I know I say that somewhat facetiously, but, um, like, like genuinely, I mean, given how awful April was, like, this is a a dude whose OPS was under 600 at one point, like a few weeks into the season and may was better, right? I think his may OPS was in the high seven hundreds, maybe even around 800. It was better for sure. Um, and then June, he got off to a dreadful start to June, just like everybody did on the offense. And then the last week happened, and he has been on absolute fire. He crushes a home run on Sunday, uh, starts off him and Carpenter would go back-to-back. Back. Uh, just phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. Um, and, yeah, I mean, the, the the biggest thing with Torque, really, this entire time, like, the at-bats aren't the worst thing you've ever seen, right? Like, it's not like he's going out there and he's um, – he, he, he's making a fool out of himself and swinging through a ton of pitches and swinging and missing a ton. And he's chasing out of the zone. He doesn't really chase too terribly often. And he draws his walks and whatnot. The biggest thing is just like, and, and even he's hitting the ball hard and everybody's tired of that conversation for sure. But um, it, it, it's, there's been no power. Like he's not lifting the hard hit balls. They're either like line drives that just like, don't really have any, any life or lift to them or their ground balls, or even their pop-outs. Like, he, like he's the king of, like, 98-mile-an-hour pop-ups that are straight up. And so it's just about finding that sweet spot at launch angle, right? Finding that perfect bat path for him. And it really seems like whatever he's been doing lately has been working because uh, he, he he's been phenomenal. And that's really, really good to see. Uh, Kerry Carpenter continues to stay hot. He's got an OPS of 811. You want to talk about a perfect bat path? There might not be a more perfect bat path on really in the entire Detroit Tigers organization at the moment uh, than Kerry Carpenter. Now, Riley Green has a great one too, but, but he's not currently playing. Kerry Carpenter's bat stays in the strike zone just so, so long. Like, it, it, it's such a, a long swing, but he has such good bat speed that it just, it, he can pull it off. Um, the, the bat stays in the zone so much. He went opposite field. It, it's at like the perfect angle. Like his, his launch angle is, is pretty much copy and pasted just over and over with every swing, right? Just like the perfect kind of start low and, and come up like, I'm not comparing him to this hitter. So everybody calm down, but just the bat path reminds me a lot of Juan Soto. And so, um yeah, good to see him stay hot ever since he's been coming off the ever since he came off the IL rather. Uh he has been on fire 279 average 811 OPS on the season. Uh Zach Short continues to stay hot as well. Um I mean, Javi Baez is on a little bit of a heater right now. His OPS is up to 620. Ladies and gents, 620. Now, the thing with Javi we all know that the slider low in a way is always going to be a problem. And we all know that the fastball up and in like at his nose, basically is always going to be a problem, right? That's that like, it's not changing. Uh, so you might as well get used to it. But when he's hot, he can like be a good, bad ball hitter, which is like kind of a backhanded compliment to start with. Like, unless you're Vlad Guerrero like senior, Like that, that really is kind of a bad, that's like, why are you chasing at awful pitches? But like, I'll be darned, man. Like he all weekend, he was swinging at balls way out of the strike zone, but putting them in play and actually hitting them hard. And the biggest thing with Javi, we talked about this in spring training. We talked about this in April. We'll talk about it again now, really quickly. The biggest thing with Javi is not that it's really not that he goes and chases a bunch. And, and it's not that he strikes out a million times. It's not that he looks like a fool. We all know that. We have we knew that when we signed him. The biggest difference is he has no power in a Tigers uniform all of a sudden. It just went away. He, he, he was the same hitter with the Cubs that he was with the Mets. He was still swinging at, at balls three feet out of the zone with those teams. But... He had a slug, I mean, at one point in his career of like 500, so it was okay. He had a ton of homers and a ton of doubles and hit the ball really hard and made a lot of really, really solid contact when he wasn't swinging a boat paddle. In the ti- With the Tigers and his Tigers tenure, he has just had zero power. The rest hasn't actually changed. That's not any worse or better than it was prior to being here. The slugging percentage being under 400, though, is and it's really brutal and it's killed all of his value. So that's what we need to see. We saw, we saw, we've seen a couple of homers over the last week. We saw a double on Sunday. Uh, we're, we're seeing a lot more contact and stuff, and that's great. But the biggest thing that's just going to salvage all of it is if he gets any remote consistency with the power back. That that's really what it comes down to. Um, okay, let's talk about some few more hitters and then we'll get to the, uh, the, the standout pitching from the weekend. We'll do that right after this. All right, everybody. Welcome back Here's Third and final segment of locked on tigers. I appreciate you all for tuning in as always. Um, so so more players from the weekend. Andy Abanez has an OPS over a 1,000 in June. This is just the Andy Abanez experience. And I I I, I told you all – I'm pretty sure I, I said something about that, like, in March when we signed him. He's just such a free-swinging but, like, bat-to-ball type of hitter that he's just going to consistently go through these. Like, he he's just going to have, like – two weeks where he has a thousand OPS and everybody loves him. And then he's going to have two weeks where he has a 300 OPS and nobody can stand him And that's just going to be what Andy Abanez is truly like forever. So we're, we're, we're going to ride the heater as long as we can. I want to keep playing him because of that reason. Um, But you just got to be on your toes and be wary of when he does come back down to earth. Uh, Zach McKinstry still sliding as OPS is now all the way down to seven Oh eight sliding in a really big way. We talk about the three holes that he has in his, uh, in his zone, in his swing right now all the time. So I won't go down that rabbit hole again, but uh, it's gotten to the point now where he's no longer even drawing walks. That was like the one thing he was drew a boatload of walks, like a Juan Soto level of walks in the month of May. And he just hasn't been doing that in June. So it'd be one thing if like he was striking out a little bit more and, and he was struggling, to get on base if he was still drawing the walks, but he's not doing that either, and that's the biggest thing for me. Um, what else? I mean, Miggy still looks pretty solid. Uh, okay, let's get to the people that are struggling now a little bit. Um, Eric Haas and Nick Mayton both continue to slide. I know Mayton had a walk on Sunday. Um, but, I mean, these are two guys who's batting – Eric Haas' batting average is 216. Nick Mayton's is 156. And both of their OPSs are right around five seventy five. Um, Mayton, I-, I think you can send to Toledo. Be- I mean, if you wanted to, you can send both of them to Toledo. But my point is, um, with Mayton, if if you send him to Toledo, I think that there are players you could be like, oh, maybe we're gonna call him up and to replace Mayton, right? Like everyone loves to point to Henry Malloy, obviously, but there's some options there. If you really want to get crazy with it, like Andre Lipsius can get called up. Uh, he plays pretty much the same positions Mayton plays. Like you can there's there's some options there. And Lipsius hasn't had a phenomenal season by any stretch or anything. So like I'm I'm not, you know, pounding my, my fist on the table like that that needs to happen, but you could do that. The thing with Eric Haas is that you don't really have any other options at catcher at the moment that are like Major League Caliber and or Major League Ready. Um so I, I think that what they should for me, what I would do is just make Rodgers like the 1A catcher. Like he's going to play uh, whatever it is, two out of every three games or whatnot. Um, and then if you do have a catcher in the minors that kind of, I don't know, snaps or anything. Like Dingler's not ready uh, before anybody asks. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, it, you're You're kind of stuck there. You have catcher depth, but it's not exactly major league caliber catcher depth. Donnie Sands hasn't really done a whole lot. Um, I, I guess Andrew Knapp, but like he's doing well in Triple A. But like we've seen time and time again over the last few years that like he's not really a major league hitter. I think I, I think Haas is going to be here for a little bit longer. I wouldn't expect to move on, and that in those regards, anytime soon. Um, but I mean, all in all, this is a very successful offensive weekend. Truly, uh, th- this is a. The 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 things that we needed to have happen when Riley Green went down to keep our heads above water did not happen at all. The first ten games after Riley Green got hurt, now they're starting to kind of happen a little bit, and it's beautiful to see. Torkelson, obviously, we talked about that taking a big step forward. Javi Baez has been swinging a hot stick over the last week. Um and Carrie Carpenter really is a huge. one. somebody left a comment, I believe it was on Friday's show, and this is a fantastic point. I I, I don't have the name in front of me, so I apologize for not giving uh, credit where credit is due. That's my fault, but um, it, it is worth noting that the offense has exploded since Carrie Carpenter returned to the lineup, and and that's not to say that Carrie Carpenter has single handedly gotten every RBI, and that's not to say that Carrie Carpenter is is you know like batting eight hundred. Like He's had an over game since coming back or whatnot, but um, I think that that power presence and that power threat in the lineup in a team that desperately lacks power uh, is absolutely huge. And the most impressive thing that I have seen from Kerry Carpenter since coming back from the IL is he's going the opposite way with ease. And if that's, like, not on accident and that's, like, actually an adjustment he made, then the entire American League should be terrified. And I genuinely mean that. This is a dude that has insane power to the pull side. And if you throw fastballs up and in, he can turn on it. And, and that's exactly what he did against Cleveland with the walk-off homer, right? It was a fastball up and in. He threw, like, eight fastballs up and in in a row, and he just eventually turned on one. Like, he ha- he has... Crazy, crazy power to the pull side. But he has been consistently hitting the ball hard to the opposite field since coming back from IL. And, I, I mean, genuinely, we're talking about a dude who, who could be a really, really good hitter in this league for a long time. If that's, like, not on accident, it is an adjustment that he made and, like, is going to consistently do that now. Like, I, I, I think I think a lot of people should be really, really scared if that happens. So awesome to see. Let's talk about the pitching really quickly, uh, before I send you on your way. Uh, Will Vest I think deserves a ton of credit. He started two games this weekend. It was he was an opener, right? It was one inning. Uh, didn't even make it one inning on Sunday. Uh, but openers are important, and when you're trying to to consistently give the lineup different looks and whatnot, and and keep all the hitters on their toes that's what the opener is for. And, uh, and Will Vest, I think, did a really good job. I know he got hit around a little bit on Sunday, um, but none of those runs ended up scoring, and and Tyler Holton did a great job. Tyler Holton, I, I think, looked absolutely phenomenal on Sunday, um, and they put him in a position to succeed, getting the middle part of the lineup, which has several lefties in it for the Twins, and then the bottom part of the lineup. So really good there. Will Vest gets the top three, the dangerous top three in that lineup. Then you go Chase and Shreve, Jose Cisnero uh, on, uh, this is Sunday's game, inning, inning and a third, and then we get to the back end. And so I'll, I'll repeat something I said last week, week and a half ago, maybe. Um, this bullpen success is, dare I say, entirely contingent. Contingent? Is that the right word there? Yeah. We're going to pretend like it is on those two gentlemen's success. This bullpen has some dudes that have had pretty solid seasons. Jose Cisnero, I thought gave maybe his best outing of the year on Sunday. He's only got a two, three ERA. Now we already talked about Tyler Holton. Chasen um, Shreve's ERA is almost under four. Now there's a like Will Vest's ERA is almost under three. Now there's a lot of dudes who are having good seasons, but this bullpen lives and dies with Jason Foley and Alex Lang. And case in point to that was Sunday when Alex Lang, first off, I hope Michael A. Taylor is okay. I have not seen an update. That was a ball to the head that missed the helmet. That is terrifying I, I, I really hope he's okay. he walked off the field under his own power so that's a great sign but um, I'd, I'd imagine he's gonna get you know concussion tested and all that I, I hope that he's okay. Um, but Alex Lang could not find the strike zone if his job depended on it on Sunday it was he was all and like when you hit somebody in the head that probably rattles you a little bit. I've never been on a major league mound and done that so I would imagine that that gets in your psyche a little bit. Uh, But even before that, I I mean, he was all over the place. He could not throw a strike for anything. But Jason Foley comes in and gives two of the most dog innings of relief I have literally ever seen out of a Tigers reliever in my lifetime. And that's not an exaggeration. I promise you it's not. Like, That was unbelievable. And, and like, it's a game in June for a team that won't go 500. I understand that. But he inherited bases loaded, no outs, and got out of it. He gave up, what, Uh, one run? Did he just give up the one run? Single up the middle? Then he leaves them loaded and gets three consecutive outs on two strikeouts for a guy who's not a strikeout swing and miss pitcher at all. Then they don't have anyone else in the pen because two of the last three days have been bullpen days and they just used seven pitchers on Sunday. So sorry, Jason, you got to go out there for nine, buddy. And he went out there and got two more strikeouts and left the game with a two-inning save. Unbelievable performance. That sinker topped out at like 99 in that outing, and he didn't throw it very often. I think he only threw it three or four times. That is comfortably the best his slider has ever looked. I I don't even care if you're, you're going back and trying to look up tape of him in the minors or whatever. I don't care. I am confident that that is the best his slider has ever looked on a mound. It was... Very, very well located. It was biting, but it doesn't even matter because, again, he only threw it a few times. That sinker is an unbelievable pitch. It's an incredible weapon. He's gotten it to the point now where he's actually getting whiffs on it. And it's because the velocity keeps going up. Well, the whatever it is, two feet of run that the pitch has, he is so valuable. And I I swear to you, I know he doesn't have good strikeout numbers and he doesn't get a ton of swings and misses historically. I promise you that the 29 other teams in this league would line up around the block and wait for days to get their hands on a dude with with that arsenal that Jason Foley has. I, I will never be able to truly put into words how unbelievably valuable it is to have an automatic ground ball in your bullpen at any time. He is a dog. And that was an unbelievable performance on Sunday. But um, Joey Wentz, we should talk about the one non bullpen day uh, from the weekend. Joey Wentz was absolutely fantastic career high, nine strikeouts on Saturday, got zero run support in classic Tigers fashion, but he has his first quality start of the season, goes six innings, two hits, two run runs, one walk in nine Ks. As he is down to six, eight, two. He was phenomenal. And uh, the the interesting thing about that outing was uh, he wasn't cutter heavy, but the cutters he did throw were just perfect. They were perfect. And um, that he got swings and misses on several. He got called strikes on several. He had one specific, I think it was the Gallo. It was either Gallo or Kirloff. Um, he had a cutter on two strikes that he threw belt high, but it was outside. It started as a strike outside and then moved to a ball outside. And it was a perfect swing and miss um, nine K's. And, and again, the cutter, it was a revolutionary pitch for him development wise, but he's had a hard time finding success with it this season. Great success last season, not so much this year. And He used it just a lot more selectively in this outing. It wasn't like his fastball wasn't his most used pitch, but he would use it in really, really good counts, really important counts, and pitch mix was fantastic with the fastball. The biggest thing for him always, I think, will be just setting everything up with good fastball command. Uh, I've said that since the beginning. But it was also nice to see on Saturday he mixed the curveball in a lot. He traditionally doesn't throw that pitch very often. He threw it. I think he threw more curveballs than cutters on Saturday and he got several, uh, called strikes on it. A couple of whiffs on it as well. Um, all around just fantastic. And the biggest thing I think was pitch mix. And I think that Jake Rogers deserves a boatload of credit for that. I I thought he called a brilliant game. I thought he received a brilliant game. Uh, Jake Rogers insurmountable value behind the plate. Very, very good at his job back there. Um, so, yeah, Joey Wentz, ton of credit. And then Tyler Alexander, solid weekend as well. ERA under five. If he can be that effective lefty innings eater out of the pen and keep that ERA plummeting, I'll, I'll be back on the, on the Tyler Alexander train that a lot of people got off early in the season. But two innings of shutout ball uh, after Joey Wentz. Very, very important and underrated part of the weekend, just given how taxed the bullpen was with a bullpen game on Sunday and on Friday. So, um, yeah. Good job, everybody. Great work. Three of four from the Minnesota Twins with two bullpen days. And Joey Wentz, who's just been a wild card so far this season. Beautiful. And now, just like that, you're 10 games under 500 and five games out of first place, baby. <laughs> Love the AL Central, don't you? Um, now you have a three-game set against the Kansas City Royals. And, again, we we're not going to say the W word here because we we don't jinx anything. We're big on, on not jinxing things. Um, But this is about as W word as a series can be, man. I mean, you're going up against the Royals who have been absolutely awful. They are, they are, have the same amount of wins currently as the Oakland athletics. Their best hitter is now out for the year. They have a dreadful offense, but the biggest thing, I shouldn't say a dreadful offense because that's doing a disservice to uh, some. I mean, the Tigers offense this year has been worse, not in the last week, but uh, over the full season. The thing that has been dreadful about the Royals has been the pitching. They have an unbelievably horrible pitching situation going on. Bullpen outside of a role. This Chapman, not great. Barlow's okay, Um, but starting pitching is awful. We're going up against game one is against Jordan Lyles, who at one point pretty solid pitcher. This season, he is 0 and eleven with an ERA of dang near seven. Okay. Then game two, we're going up against Lynch, who's 0 and three with a five seven nine ERA. And then the game three, you're going up against Brady Singer, who is four and six, but with a six three ERA. The first two pitchers you face in this series, and I'm not saying that pitching wins is a good evaluator of like how good a pitcher is, but they've been so bad that the first two pitchers you're facing in this series literally have not recorded a win yet. Combined, they are 0-14. And their ERA combined is over 6. All, th- Yeah, the three ERAs. <laughs> almost 7, almost 6, and 6-3. Six, we're throwing out Reese Olson, Michael Lorenzen, and Matthew Boyd, so it shouldn't be any bullpen games. Should just get three straight starters. All right? Cool. Thanks for making Locked on Tigers your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. Um, yeah, check out Locked on MLB. Great show. Uh, appreciate y'all appreciate the everydayers that do tune in every day we'll be back tomorrow recapping game one sorry this ran a little long i i just i find it impossible to get all of my thoughts throughout it like monday episodes always run long don't they i'm always pushing 40 on uh, on monday shows so i apologize for that but just i, I so much i want to recap throughout the weekend because i don't have time to do uh you know 30 minutes every day over the weekend so yeah we'll be back tomorrow Let's go win some ball games, eh? Peace and love, going to therapy's dope and I'll catch y'all then, baby. Go Tigers.